Welcome to I Love My HBCU Question Mark, the podcast where we express our undeniable love for HBCUs, but where we are also not afraid to address a few tough questions. So, sit back, learn a little, love a lot, and rep your HBCU. Hello, everyone. Everyone joining us on YouTube, everyone joining us on all your streaming platforms. Welcome to this week's episode of I Love My HBCU Question Mark. I have a graduating senior, I believe, political science major from Morehouse College joining me. Langston Morris, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I can't complain. I can't complain. Um, it's a beautiful Saturday morning and I get to spend a little bit of time um, spotlighting the amazingness that is you. So I'm okay. excited. Hey, hey. I'm excited as well. <laughs> I, and, and OK, so I'm excited about everything I've learned about you. I am. Um, but I also got to see you featured on MSNBC not too long ago. And so yes. we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Yeah. But before we do, tell us what it's like being at Morehouse. Uh, give us some give us some deets about you at Morehouse College. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is William Langston Morris. I am a senior political science major, international studies minor, um, attending from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and I love Morehouse. Uh, there's not more good things I can say about Morehouse that I haven't almost exhausted already. Um, but Morehouse is a magnificent place to be. It's the Mecca of Black male excellence. Um, the thing that really drew me to Morehouse um, that really kind of keeps me there every day that I see when I walk on Brown Street is just seeing hundreds of young Black men walking towards a goal and walking with purpose. Um, and walking towards a goal with such drive and such determination, but knowing that someone's there to help them if they fall. And, and that's magnificent to be able so, to see The way you describe it, I bet there are young, um, melanated men all over the country, possibly the world, who are like, oh, I want to go and walk down Brown Street. Like you gave us, yeah, you gave us the name of the street. That's, that's, that's romantic. I love that. But as I'm as I'm listening to you, I'm also reminded I've been um, to Morehouse more than a few times, yeah. and bear with me here for two seconds. When before my very first visit to Morehouse College, and for those who know that area well, it's a triad of colleges that are right there, right? Yeah. Um, when I would meet a Morehouse man. It was, um, oh gosh, yeah, I think you're going to like not like me after this. Oh, okay. Uh, I was treated to a little bit of rowdiness. I was treated to a little bit of, um, let's just call it youthful rambunctiousness, right? And this right. was all before I hit the campus. But my very first time on your campus, especially it was in the summer, it was calm. Can you, can you talk about the, the, the beautiful, I, I don't know if anybody's going to be asking you to describe the beautiful calm and grounds of your college, but I, I guess I'm mentioning that because I was totally surprised and how you can have a picnic on the grounds of your college. It just, it made me want to sit down and take a breath. Yeah. Talk about that part of Morehouse College, where especially the grounds. Yeah, absolutely. So the, I, on the youthful rambunctiousness part, I'll, I'll talk a little bit on that. Yeah, I want to go I, to that there, first. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd say the one thing about Morehouse that's so freeing is that there's oftentimes as young black men, we aren't allowed to be ourselves out loud mm. and very just, you know, we're not allowed to be ourselves in our fullness, right? But at Morehouse, you can 100% be your authentic black self, whatever that looks like, whether that's locks, whether that's waves, whether that's braids, whether that's, you know, and however you feel to express yourself, you know, as long as you're, you know, respecting others in that process, you know, that ability to express yourself that you don't find at all other campuses where, you know, there might be rules about, you know, you know, where they'll, will there make black students cut their hair, things like that. Will we see that on mm. the schools? You know, we, we do. don't have those kind of, you know, conditions because we're allowed to be our fully black selves, you know, in our authenticness. And I think that's the lovely part. And yeah, I mean, the campus itself, it's, it's the highest point of natural elevation in the city of Atlanta. So, you know, we're already at the top, you know, the house is already on top, but um, it's just beautiful land, right? This is land that, you know, our, you know, founders and our early, you know, uh, presidents of Morehouse College really fought for to make sure that these, you know, black folks have, we had to move from Augusta, Georgia to come to Atlanta to, you know, fight the racial injustice that was going on. You know, Morehouse is born out of a necessity to teach young black men to become better versions of themselves. And when you walk onto that campus, knowing the history of Morehouse College, right? Uh, you know, the Dr. Kings, the Spike Lees, the Samuel L. Jacksons, the John David Washingtons, uh, you know, the Julian Bonds, right? The leaders and the change makers that have come through Morehouse and you walk on those hollow grounds and you sit, you know, in the in the same chapel where Dr. King is pictured in multiple times, right? It, it fills you with a certain level of necessity to move, right? It, it fills you with that same spirit that had them become change agents. It kind of pushes you to want to do the same things. And when you talk to professors who, you know, taught, you know, people who are, you know, John David Washington, that, oh, I had John David Washington in my class. And, you know, that kind of understanding that these, this is the same seat that this, you know, this important brother may have sat in. And you're listening from the same professor, right? Because a lot of our professors have been in Morehouse for quite some time. Um, and they, they bring that energy and they bring that wisdom that's carried throughout their time there with them. So I'd say it really is that kind of, you, you do get that both and, right? It doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to just be, you know, Hump Wednesday and Market Friday at Spelman. You know, it, it can be, you know, understanding that this is a very important place while still being able to, you know, have fun and enjoy college. Langston, you are still a current student. Yes. Um, does every Morehouse man sound like this? And no, but I think that's okay because black men should be able to express, express themselves in, you know, various Absolutely. ways. Right? Let, let me rephrase my question. I didn't say, does every Morehouse man sound like you? I did not ask that. I'm like this. This. And let me tell you the this that I am so enamored by right now. I was cheesing. I cheese a lot, but I was cheesing. <laughs> We're both cheesing. I love it. I was cheesing a lot. It's it's a pride that I was cheesing with when I was listening to you talk because there is an effortlessness oh, thank you. with which you, I don't want to make up a word. I was going to say ambassadoria. That's not a word, Tosin. There is an effortlessness with which you speak of this place with which you speak of this experience that it is very clear it's not going to go away. Absolutely. And so when I ask the question, does every Morehouse man, man sound like this? Um, the this that I'm referring to is this embodiment of pride. And I, I've heard them say that Morehouse men have chips on their shoulders. Yeah. I've heard them say that Morehouse men are a little bit more cocky than most. I've heard all of those things. 
I don't know if I have a problem with it or not. I, I don't. I think that now becomes very individual, right? Absolutely. But if 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 I if I were a college student, and what you've just described is what gets poured into me, how would I not have mm-hmm. a little bit of a chip on my shoulder? Yeah. So I, I, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no absolutely. Um, I think. Um, I would say, I'd say a lot of more uh, men of Morehouse and Morehouse men sound like this, right? I think the difference is some people go through the college and some people let Morehouse go through them. Folks who maybe just went through Morehouse, got their degree, left, they may not sound like this, right? Because they didn't let that kind of spirit run through them. They didn't really take part in NSO fully. They didn't engage on campus. You know, if you just sit in your dorm room for four years and then you graduate, you're not going to feel this way, right? And that's not because Morehouse isn't this institution it's because you didn't kind of let Morehouse you know you have to kind of like you kind of have to be okay with it right because it's college right you have to but Morehouse is a very a school based in tradition right and a lot of these traditions aren't ones that started last week they're ones that started you know 40 50 60 70 even you know 100 years ago so if you're okay with kind of just being like all right I know this isn't the traditional you know college orientation right but if you've seen videos more at you know new student orientation, you'd see this very different experience, right? But if you kind of allow that, if you kind of just accept it, some people are like, oh, this is corny, this is goofy, I don't want to do this. But if you accept it and you let it kind of run through you, you'll get what you need to get out of it. And I'd say if you accept kind of what Morehouse is and what Morehouse can be and kind of what it can be for you, and you kind of just let Morehouse run through you. Um, I think everyone who who has that experience will sound like this. So Langston, I don't want anybody to log off right now, but I am going to say that if anyone decided to log off right now, I think the first thing they're going to do is go looking up Morehouse. And right, if absolutely. they if if they have a young um 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 gentleman, a melanated or not, actually, they're yeah. going to want that person to tap into some of this. So yeah. I'm I'm going to have us run into, run effortlessly into our rapid fire segment, because okay. I kind of just want to hear the interesting responses you're going to give at this point. Okay. Okay. So uh, 67 seconds of as many questions that I can throw at you. And okay. I'm excited to hear your answers. The clock okay. starts at the end of the first question. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Whoo. I'm going to start with this one. I like this oh, one. Okay. All I right. like this one. Cause ready. yes. Cause you're graduating in May, right? May, 2024. Yes. When I, you know what? I'm not keeping my fingers crossed for you. It's happening. You're graduating. Late. There we go. We've claimed it. I've seen the stuff you've been up to, Langston, okay. Georgia Tech, and all of that. You're graduating in 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 May 2024. So, Langston, you are at your college graduation. Who do you want as your commencement speaker? Oh, that's such a hard question. Um. Oh. Who do I want is my commitment? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's a hard question. Oh, Uh-oh. isn't that there's too many? Quickly, but there's so many good options. Okay. Um, Give us your top three. Top three. Okay. Um, Angela Davis. Yes. Um, let me think. Henry Louis Gates Jr. Wow. Okay. Um, let me think. Oh, John David Washington. Wow. Wow. Morehouse man. Gotta pick one more house man out of the group. Okay. Okay. 
Wow. Okay, both I've never neither it's, of it's those. A weird pairing of three people. I gave you three, and I think we've run up on our, our sixty-seven seconds. But I'm still going to ask you a couple more questions. My apologies. That was that well, was a different one. I wouldn't. I was all the way ready for that one. But you gave us some. Re all of them that I've heard so far are good, but those were John David Washington, Angela Davis. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I hope they're hearing you. I hope yeah. one of them actually comes. That would Me be too. nice. Okay. Shout out your favorite professor and what do they teach? Oh, Dr. Adrian Jones. Uh, she teaches constitutional law and I think she teaches national government, but I didn't have her for that class. I had her for con law and race and law. We're like these. Dr. Jones, love you. Thank you so much for everything. We're going to get into politics very soon. Okay, I'm, gonna I'm, ask you an, I'm going to ask you an unfair. This is the last question in the 67 yeah. and yeah. I know it's unfair. Okay. These are the only two options I'm giving you. Trump. Yeah. Ooh. Or DeSantis. Oh, wow. That's a... Can I pick or? Um, uh, oh. It's your, it's, you answer any way you want to. Trump or DeSantis. Those are the only two options I'm giving you, but... Oh. I'm going to say Trump just because I'm aware of what he kind of can do already. DeSantis is... <sighs> I'm I'm getting that a lot. I'm getting I'm getting that. I'm not I'd trying to push or if I had the option to pick either. I'm still picking or. Or or. Okay, so so for the record and that ends our 67. For the oh. record, Langston is actually picking or. He needs another option. I need something else. I need other options. But if he it came a... down to it, I'd have to pick something. If he only has those two. Yeah, he, he will play his role um, because he believes in, um, at least a little I know of you, you believe in um, us being engaged in the political system. Absolutely. Um, so you would pick if, if you had to, but your preference is an or to yeah. my very, very, I'm beginning to learn it's a very unfair uh, Trump v. DeSantis option that I'm giving yeah. some students. Um, before I tell you why I asked you that question, there's a reason why I asked you that question. Before I tell you why I asked you that question, and I, I'm excited about hearing how you made the decision. You're from Atlanta, yes. so I don't want you to give me the cookie cutter answer. Okay. I, I, wa I want a different answer here. Okay. How did you select Morehouse College as your destination for your undergraduate journey? Yeah, absolutely. So my, one of my uncles went to Morehouse. Um, so he's always been kind of a very big influence on my life. You know, one of my, uh, you know, one of my other male role models outside of my father. Um, and he's just been very influential in my life. And so um, he's been bringing me around Morehouse since I was very young, but I wasn't really that interested in Morehouse. Once I reached high school, um, I thought I was going to go to school on the West Coast or somewhere in New York or something like that. I originally wanted to pursue film. So I was going to need to go to uh, art school somewhere, trying to get an NYU or something like that. Um, but around junior year, I was like, okay, well, let me look into this more. Let me see what it looks like. And I went on a tour and I was absolutely blown away. My mind just changed instantly. Um, I went to predominantly white schools for a large mm. part of my life. So I okay. hadn't seen, um, an all black educational environment. And the minute I stepped on the Morales campus and saw, you know, just, just young black men just dapping each other up, like walking up Brown Street. My tour guide could not stop giving daps. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. How does this guy know everybody? And then I realized everyone was doing it, right? No matter whether what you looked like, you know, how tall you were, color, you know, size, shape, all that stuff. Everybody was saying what's up to everybody. And it was just that genuine brotherhood and that genuine love, right? So I think often black men don't express love to each other like we should. But just seeing that, you know, like, just it just it was like oh this is 
This is cool. I like this. And then I just started talking to more of the, the, you know, the Morehouse brothers that were there and they were just so intelligent and mm. they were just able to articulate themselves and just, it just so well. And it just was like, it just, it just, it just brought something out of me that I was like, this is what I've been looking for. I knew I wanted to be excellent, but I didn't know how. And it brought me to this point to be like, this is the excellence I'm looking for. Yeah. I want to emulate kind of what I see here at Morehouse. Um, and so I took another tour with my uncle. My uncle was like, well, I want to come on the time you go on a tour. And we went on a tour together and uh, we just started talking about different places on campus he remembered. And it was, you know, it was wonderful. And it so, seals right, the deal for you. It's That was it. That was it. I knew, I knew Morehouse was where I was going to be. Langston, I'm hearing. The middle I'm... of the woods in Montana and I would have still went. You would have still went. I love that. Um, I'm, Langston, I'm hearing, so you may know this. I do know this, um, that there are a number of HBCU tours that occur for high school students. Um, and you just, um, you you literally just imparted upon them the reason why more and more of them need to happen. Oh, absolutely. I'm continuing to hear from a lot of you that it was it was landing there. The minute you got onto that campus and you could just feel something. So kudos to everyone who's doing all the heavy lift of making sure tours happen. Those on the university side, those on the high school side, those on the nonprofit side, just making sure step foot on those campuses and see, because if they see, then it's up to them whether or not they catch the fire. Right. Right, Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Langston, I want to get right into it with you. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited because um, this goes against the stereotype that I, I've always heard all these uh, lovely stereotypes of young black men, young black women not being interested in politics. And I know, I know that I love my HBCU question mark is not about politics, but you are a political science major, international studies um, minor, and um, I'm lucky enough to have heard you on different platforms right. talk about um, the voice of young black um, 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 persons. I gave you the question of DeSantis v. Trump, and I want to tell you why I gave you that question. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, right? I'm finding that amongst my um, melanated students, they won't say it publicly. Many more of them are more open to Republican policies and Republican ideas. And they're actually also privately, privately open to identifying as Republicans. Mm -hmm. They won't do it. I see the smile on your face. I see the smile on your face and I love the smile on your face because I, I, that means this is about to be an amazing discourse, right? They won't say it publicly. The same ones that would have said to me in private, Hey, Dr. Tosin, yeah, no, I would easily vote Republican. Almost doesn't matter who it is. Won't say that in, 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 in public. Give me your thoughts on that, especially based on one of the responses you gave um, in your MSNBC interview, whereby a lot of damage has been done um, um, to melanated persons by the last six years of Republican government. Um, Let me stop. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, on young black folks identifying more with the Republican Party, um, I haven't experienced that more. the thing I'd say I see young black folks doing is struggling. Hmm. Um, and for those who aren't struggling, there are things that, you know, young black folks who are successful want, right? Tax breaks, um, you know, lower, you know, 
lowering the cost of houses, lowering the cost of, you know, gas, right? These are tangible things people want, right? And uh, for young black folks who are trying to enter the job market or trying to, you know, get into college, right? Those things are important, right? Lowering my taxes, right? I don't want to have to pay as much money. I just started making money. I don't want to pay all this money, right? Um, and so to a certain extent, I see why certain aspects of what I would consider classic republicanism is 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 relevant, right? Those are the things, you know, small government, tax breaks, all these things, right? But I don't think to me that's what the current Republican Party is about. Um, I think if this was, you know, Mitt Romney in 2012, I could see more of the appeal, right? Mm. Romney's like a mostly, you know, normal political candidate. You know, he's, you know, all these things kind of, he's kind of played the game per se, right? And his policies more lean into, you know, smaller government, you know, tax breaks for those making, you know, in the ballpark about a hundred thousand, right? And we know our, you know, college students who are doing well are in that kind of ballpark, right? So that's kind of where I see Republicanism being attractive for some folks. Mm. But today, with what we see, what I would consider like post-Trump uh, Republican, I I don't. To me, I don't see it. How that's attractive to Black folks. Um, to me, I don't understand how you know weakening the ability for women to get an abortion is in any way attractive to Black people. Um, and I'm a man, so I'm not going to speak too heavily on that subject. But um, there's there's certain things to see. I don't see why that would be. I don't see why anybody would be happy about that. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, restricting access to healthcare, restricting access to you know, uh, ability to have your kids go to school in an environment that teaches them about Black history. Um, these policies that are these kind of post-Trump Republican policies, you know, specifically with DeSantis in Florida, um, you know, the don't say gay bill, like all these things to me, I don't see as things that are in any way pro-Black. Absolutely. Um, um, Langston, I hear you make some distinctions that I think are worth noting. Mm -hmm. You talked about classic. Uh, I want to get you get your terminology right. I wrote down classic foundational republicanism is what right. I heard you that, say. That's what, I'll call it. that's what you call it. OK, Old got it. School Republicans. Old school Republicans, which is a, to, to the way you described it, very different from what we're seeing now. Yeah. Do you think enough conversation is actually happening? in um, um, HBCU college campuses about all of this, like everything you've just said, because we hear, I've heard a lot of hot button topics that you've thrown out, right? And they, they are very important to my students. I'm a college professor at Morgan State University and an administrator there as well. And so I get to have a lot of these private conversations. And remember, I'm, 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 I'm putting on the ground here it's a private v public conversation. Yeah. And as you know, there's some things that we are willing to talk about privately that we're not going to want somebody to know that it was my voice that was behind that particular sentiment. And I will never betray that of my students. Absolutely. But here's what I wonder. I wonder based on the way you've made the distinction, because I, to be fair, I don't hear as much the distinction between the two, the way you've made it. Do you think we are not, and I'm asking you to blame us, um, um, and by us, I mean our professors and administrators at HBCUs, do you think we're providing enough ground for more of those types of conversations where we look at all of it, not, not just the hot topic buttons, not just the, the classical, I just want to identify as one or the other, but I want all of it on the table. Are we having enough of those conversations with our students in order for our students to be more involved in the political space? What do you think? Yeah, I think as a whole, I don't think even as, you know, as colleges, I think we need to have more conversations about politics, about general 
uh, courses. Um, I think those conversations are incredibly important and they lead to a lot of discovery and they lead to a lot of usually, you know, post-research, right? Like maybe we have a conversation today, but because you said something so insightful um, and wise, I'm going to be like, you know what, let me go look into that later. Um, and so I think a lot of those conversations do need to be had at a more broad scale for students. Uh, and honestly, like uh, students, faculty, administrators, everybody, you know, I think there's certain things that everyone needs to hear. Um, and I think those conversations can lead people to really make their own choices, which I think is all we can ask for. Yeah. Even if they're not the choice I would make, you've now made your own choice as opposed Absolutely. to following, you know, what somebody told you you should do, right? And I think a lot of times because it's expected that Black folks are Democrats, we don't have conversations about, you know, what does the Republican space look like? Because we're expected not to be in that space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Talk about Black Republicans, you know, it's, it's not with very much, you know, love and, and True. You, know, you know, Black Republicans get clowned quite often. Um, and, and for a lot of times it's fair, right? But to a certain extent, it's we don't have that conversation in the first place. Um, and so if you're not like someone who's very invested or interested in, you know, politics or political history, you may not have that background knowledge to be able to distinct, you know, what Mitt Romney's economic proposal was versus what Donald Trump's was. There we go. There we go. There we go. Okay. Okay. You know, um, if, if you know from the conversation you and I had even before we hit record that we could talk about this all day long, but I'm going to shift gears ever so slightly. Right. Um, Langston, what advice would you give your freshman self if you were entering Morehouse today? What would you tell that young Langston? Oh, man. So I entered in during 2020 during COVID. So my advice to my younger self then, or if I was going in during a traditional school year. Your advice, regardless of the environment, let, let's go with just who you were at that moment. Absolutely. And who um, you are now. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, man. If I could go back and look and tell my 18-year-old self anything, it'd be um, just to be... Be okay not knowing um, and to seek knowledge as opposed to seeking answers. I think sometimes we look for the right answer as opposed to just learning. And I think that's, if I could go back and tell myself anything, it would be to just keep seeking knowledge and don't try and answer all of life's questions all at once, right? I was, I was 18 and I was trying to figure it all out so fast because I felt the need to be more complete than, uh, or more ahead of my, ahead of just ahead. I guess then I would say I, I I really needed to be, and I think that was that was detrimental, right? I was I was looking for all the answers so fast, I need to try and figure everything out, especially in a world where you know we didn't really know what was going to happen next. Um, I mean, there was a new variant like every two months. You know, it, everyone knew somebody that had just gotten COVID and had gone to the hospital, right? So it was it was a lot going on all at once. Um, but I'd say if I could look back to myself, I'd say. A, to just breathe and relax and to trust that things will end up in a better space because I could not even in any way imagine where I'd be right now uh, back then. And I'd say just to, just to, just to hold on because it, it does get better. On a slightly personal note, what is, and this is based on, on the reflection you've just shared with us, right? Um, and it reminds me that hand, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like if I were to sum everything I just heard you say, and again, I'm smiling because I'm hearing more and more of you that I talk to give that same advice to their freshman self. It's almost as if there's this realization now that Lord have mercy, I wasn't going to have the right answer. Why was I Absolutely. looking for it? There we go. Um, are you applying that now? Yeah, definitely. 
Um, I think I'm okay not knowing a lot. More Beautiful. Things. I'm okay being like, I don't know what's going to happen yet. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I'm not in any rush to get there. Right. And I think part of that's that kind of that senioritis, but also that senior anxiety of like, man, it's, it's been a minute. College, college things kind of wrapping up, but oh my God, this college thing's kind of wrapping up. What's, you know, <laughs> right. And there's kind of that duality with that. Um, but for me, it's like, I, if I was a freshman again, I'd probably be losing my mind, but now I'm just enjoying the ride. Right. And I'm accepting things for what they are and not searching to have everything figured out. I won't. And that's okay. I want everything, yeah. I want everything figured out next week or next month. I want everything figured out next year either. Even if yeah. I, you know, or if I end up at grad school, I won't have it figured out there either. But I'll be in the next spot and I'll figure that out too. Good for you. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate hearing you say this. And I honestly hope a lot of students as well as alumni um, will hear this and assure themselves or reassure themselves that you don't have to have all of the answers and that's perfectly okay. Um, I was going to ask you a question or invite you to share your thoughts on what we could say to incoming freshmen, but listening to you, the reality is, don't we all have to go through it and realize that we, yeah, we, we just do. So that, yeah, let's let them go through it. Let's let the freshmen go through it and realize you're yeah. not going to have all the answers. So. I, I'm not I'm not gonna ask us to reflect on that. What I what I and especially as you are entering into this world, we're welcoming you into the world of the alumni space in right. less than a year. Ooh. Um what would you want alumni to do for your HBCU that they're not already doing for your HBCU? <laughs> um man, I think our our, our alumni are great. Um, a lot of our Mars alumni always give back. They're always willing to come help out. And I'd say we just need more of that, um, more. especially with as Morehouse grows and our incoming freshmen keep becoming more of our campus. Um, mm. It's harder for our uh, upperclassmen to keep kind of trying to provide that guidance and help, right? Because there's a lot less of us. Um, yes. A lot of us came in during the pandemic. So a lot of people were transferring around schools. People were going to go to Morehouse and weren't able to go because of, you know, COVID, man. It's, it's, it's a real situation that happened for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. um <clears throat> excuse me sorry the allergies creeping up on me um so for a lot of us uh it, it is you know quite difficult to try and reach back because there's just so many incoming students like absolutely just so many more freshmen on campus so it's hard for the, you know, the seniors and the juniors and even the sophomores to be able to fully reach back and give back in the way that we want to so if alumni could come help in that capacity you know whenever we have you know like our career fairs, our business program, you know, our, our MBA meetings, you know, there's going to be, you know, our pre-law society meetings, all these different organizations on campus that really cater towards a large population of students. If our alumni could just come in and do their thing whenever they get a chance, you know, more than they already are, because I don't want to say our Morehouse alum aren't doing anything because they are, they're really doing their thing and we really appreciate them. Um, I think if we could just get more alumni engagement on campus, you know, on, on in events that are, you know, fit that capacity, That'd be great. I think I think we'd be I think we'd be in a greater spot. That's a fair that's a fair ask. And I, I hope because you know how sometimes some of the stuff is A and B knowing that C is needed, right? right. And I hope that there are several I know from observation and a little bit of experience, you are right. Morehouse alums show up. <laughs> they <Yeah>. do. <laughs> 
Um, but I hope that there's somebody who's listening and actually thinking also about a way to just make um, that pipeline a little bit more fluid with regards to that need, because the, the need is several. Um, I hear you. I hear I hear so many things in what you said right. and so many things in what you did not say that I... <laughs> And he, he, he shook his head. For those only listening, he shook his head and was like, mm. um, So that, that's, yeah, I heard a number of things in what you did not say as well, that I, I hope somebody's wheels are turning with regards to how to make some of that structure happen a little bit easier for the students. Langston, finish this sentence for me. Okay. In 10 years, I will. In 10 years, I will. That's a great question. I, in 10 years, I will be, I will be more fulfilled. Um, I don't want to put too many expectations on where I'll, I'll be in 10 years. You know, I, I think the world is always changing, especially being a political science major, all kinds of, all kinds of things can happen, which could lead to all different kinds of opportunities that don't exist yet. My job that I might have in 10 years might not even exist today. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's the exciting part about living in a world that's ever changing. Um, while it can be scary because, you know, AI gets more powerful every day and, you know, Trump and DeSantis are, are becoming some of our few options for president. But also it, there's there's also the, the rest of the world, right? There's there's while that might be part of the world, there's there's a billion other things going on um, that are changing every day and, and providing new opportunities that don't even exist yet. So I don't want to say where I will be in 10 years because I could be, you know, on the moon in 10 years. Who knows? Um, but I'll be more, I'll be, I'll be fulfilled in what I do because I chose to do something that I care about. I gave you a nonverbal round of applause when you, you said you. that. <laughs> when you said that in 10 years, I'll be more fulfilled, which opens the doors for so many things. I wish that for you in 10 years. Um, before we wrap up, we're going to wrap up soon. I've enjoyed this. I want to bring you back at some point in time, especially when the political season goes crazy. Um, I, I have a few more questions to ask you and we'll just, we'll, we'll know going in then it's just going to be about politics today. Okay, I couldn't go there. Right. But I want to go there. Okay. Um, is there something that Langston is working on that you could bless the audience with or something you're yeah. looking forward to that you'd want to share with us? Let's hear it. Um, so me and a couple of my Morales brothers are currently working on a podcast um, nice. called the Ingenious Podcast. Um, we actually have a trailer up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you can get podcasts. Our trailer is up. We're working on our first few episodes out. Um, but it's going to be a podcast where we just interview um, our friends who do different forms of art, different media, friends who take pictures, friends who are, you know, very stylish, friends who just, you know, you know, are in the artist space and are interviewing our friends who are creators and just interviewing folks that are within our circle of people, right? A friend of a friend who may be, you know, a designer, a friend of a friend who may, you know, shoot photography, you know, a friend of a friend who may, uh, you know, work with fashion design, just all these different things, interviewing, you know, young creatives, because that's, you know, the next wave of who's going to be making, you know, your favorite designer handbag, right? Like these these young influencers, especially the ones around the AUC, are your next Telfar, right? These are these are they're what's next, and we believe in our friends and we love them to death. So uh, we want to spotlight them as much as we can, uh, and that's the Ingenious Pod, I N G E N I U S. I N G E N I U S. Ingenious Podcast, Langston. I look forward to tuning in. 
Now, I do want you to leave our audience with a word or phrase on why you love your HBCUs. Oh, man. I love my HBCU specifically. Uh, I'll give a why I love my HBCUs and why I love HBCUs as a whole. So I love my HBCU because there is no other place on on earth like Morehouse. Morehouse is the only black male academy for excellence at the higher education level that can compete with every other every other university on earth and many times outclass every other school on earth uh a morehouse man is so many things uh and you can tell a morehouse man but you can't tell him much um and i just love the ability to be uh in an environment where i can just see young black men thriving every day that push me to be better i love hbcus as a whole because there would be no america as we know it today without our hbcus um our hbcus are vital to what the American infrastructure is. You can't write the history of, we always say at Morehouse, you can't write the history of 20th century without talking about Morehouse, but I think you can't write the history of America or even the world without talking about our HBCUs. So many change makers, so many leaders, so many thought leaders, so many people who have just changed the way we see the world have come through our HBCUs. And all of our HBCUs need more money and need more of everyone's attention because these schools are what matter. And if you're black, especially with all this affirmative action stuff going on, look into a HBCU. Even if you don't decide to go, which we may hope you do, at least give HBCUs a look because they've been overlooked and overshadowed far too long. And these HBCUs deserve your time, attention, and especially your money. Langston, I won't add much to that, but to say thank you. In one last reflection of yours, you have showed the importance of HBCUs as well as given value to I love my HBCU question mark. So thank you everybody for tuning in to I love my HBCU question mark. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Langston Morris, a proud, proud Morehouse man. And I hope you have enjoyed watching and listening. I also hope I have earned the pleasure of you subscribing to I love my HBCU question mark and liking this episode. Yours in HBCU love. See you next episode. Thank you so much. You've been listening to I Love My HBCU question mark. Let's keep the conversation going as we share our stories and encourage more practical support of HBCUs whilst of course holding each other accountable. Don't forget to follow and subscribe for the latest episodes. Until next time, love and lift your HBCU.